jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out again. Oh, the lights are burning at Stately Gaylord's Manor this week, baby. <laughs> we just threep on, threepin' on. <sighs> what? You love... It's the three innings, Stacey. Echo, echo, echo. <laughs> wow, aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is the three inning. Um, you know, our special fundraising event wherein we are discussing the third entry in various horror franchises. Franchise. Franchise. Speaking of franchise, today, Tuesday, (laughs) Portrait of a Lady on Fire came out. The Criterion Edition came out today. Yes. However, Stacey. Huh? You received your copy, like, last week. I sure did. Like, I am literally convinced that they went in order of, <laughs> of order, ordering. Yeah. And Stacey Ponner, naturally, is the very, imagine that. Yeah. Public lesbian number one. That's true. <laughs> it's Portrait true. of a Lady, the very first hand-delivered copy. Yeah, I got it. Of a lady on fire. What Friday did I get it? I think. And let me yeah. let me tell you, it almost caught on fire. I put it in my Blu-ray player so fast. I <laughs> I watched a special feature. Lost Just my mind. One? Well, here's what happened. I lost my mind first of all, but my mother texted and was like, "Got time for a phone call." <laughs> You're like, not now, mom! That bitch! And then, so I talked to my mom, and then it was like, I had to do work and stuff, and now it's like, I own it, I have it, and I have to watch, like, Hellraiser 3 instead. <laughs> For the three ending. Well, hey, lesbian storyline. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. So, but I just am letting, this is a public <clears throat> service announcement. Is that it is available on Criterion. Extra, extra. Extra, extra. If you haven't seen it yet, what is wrong with you? For real. So. For real. It's a perfect film. It is. We've discussed it as one of two perfect films out in existence. The other being what? Uh Oh, Suspiria. Yeah. Right, that yeah. one. Um and also, I mean, granted, Portrait Lady on Fire has been available on Hulu. However, you want to see this gorgeous piece of art in that high-definition, high definition. quality criterion transfer. Oh, my God. The transfer is amazing. You're going to lose your minds. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> I just love it when you sound like a dad in a video store. <laughs> like a Best Buy. It's very high-def. Let me tell you this transfer. <laughs> so good. There's a lot of pixels or whatever. <laughs> you watch that arm pitting in HD. Yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, yeah. So I just wanted to let people know. But I suppose we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about our fundraiser. Oh my god, our fundraiser right now for the National Black Justice Coalition, aka the NBJC. Now, Stacy, did you know this? The NBJC is a civil rights org focused on empowering black LGBTQ and same gender loving people. They bridge the gap between the movements for racial justice and LGBTQ slash SGL, SGL equality. And you can learn more about them at nbjc.org. I did know that because you said it on yesterday's show as well. Oh, well, and the one before and that, too. And the one too. before that. But I just wanted to remind you, slash, you know. You I know, say. Just, Thank you. This is my Manchurian candidate interview. <laughs> I just say Raymond Howard Shaw and and you just donate more money to our fundraiser. Man, I people have donated so much money. It's amazing. People are 
turning up and turning out for this. Yeah. Like crazy. Yesterday's show, while we were on it, we raised the amount that we wanted, that we said, here's our thermometer goal, $2,000, right? Yeah. Next thing you know, that number's obliterated. The end of the thermometer pops off. Money the comes mercury out sh- of it. <laughs> oh, money. Yeah, yeah not mercury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all die. You know. I'm covered in liquid metal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we've had to raise it again now. Our goal is at $3,000. And we're getting real close as we record this. Stacy, can I hear a... <laughs> that's my air horn. That's a good I, air horn. That's my police academy. Um, <laughs> I just love when they interrupt themselves. <laughs> DJ air horn. DJ air horn. Um, so right now, thank you air horn. We are coming in hot. That thermometer. Ooh, taking that temperature. We are at $2,350 raised already. Holy crap. Uh, that is from 48 donors, 48 wonderful donors. My gosh. Um, thank you all. This is so rad. Yeah. Uh, I was just telling Stacy, I can't believe it because when I went to bed, um, we were at 1200 <laughs> And yeah. this has all happened literally overnight. Yeah. People are really stepping up. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spreading the word. Thank you for donating. Thank you. Yes. You know, and as always, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you. Obviously, the most important. Uh, the most important aspect. Play. Yeah, for sure. Duh. This is, you know, as we do our, our McDonald's Monopoly um, all week for you. <laughs> And this also, just to remind y'all, um, if you want to donate again, or if you're low on funds, even a dollar can be donated. Sure. Uh, you can do any amount. And uh, just please continue to share this, even if you have donated, because it, it's just great to get this out there and spread the word. Yeah. Um, I have gone in. I have reset our thermometer. We are at $3,000 now for the three-inning. I think that's a great number. It's very clever. I don't know how we came up with it. I mean, really, it was literally just happenstance, but it, <laughs> it helps that it, as George Lucas would say, it rhymes. It's synergy. Thank you, 90s consultant at my Intel-based uh, <laughs> company. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that compliment. Makes me feel adjacent to Amanda Woodward of D&D Advertising. <laughs> Television's Melrose Place. All right. Add that to the bingo. Yep. There you go. Ooh, I've almost got four corners. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. So the third movie in the franchise is what are we, the first day we talked about Friday the 13th Part 3. Oh, great film. Perfect film. Yesterday we talked about Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. Terrible film. Absolutely terrible film. <laughs> complete atrocity today we're talking about another perfect film literally like it's so refreshing i i feel like we found a good balance which we've never achieved before we haven't ever (laughs) we can go from a really good movie to a really hilariously bad movie and still be having an okay time because now we have one of the greatest gems it you know I love this movie with all of my heart place. All of my places place, says. Yeah. I l- your, your happy water reservoir. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My backup reserves. I, <laughs> I truly, 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 truly love A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. Colon Dream Warriors. Yeah. This... Uh, dude, so I know I said famously in private conversation with you and then rebroadcast via narking on me yesterday. Wow, don't air. even trust. You are <laughs> narc supreme, so don't even. <laughs> don't you dare. It's very true. I have Karen'd you many a time <laughs> yes. on this show. And I am publicly apologizing so that I get my... Um, what was that? What was that stupid company that was working with the woman that Karen's the guy and she looked like she was the ghost from PT? 
And they were like, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I don't know the company, though. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, we're not working with her ever again. Well, anyway, that's what I'm trying to get back. I'm trying to get my good graces back. I see. Stacey. I see. It's a long way to get to the point. But. Yeah. Let me tell you, I got there. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I have to say, I feel uh, that it had been way too long since I've seen this movie. And I wasn't a big Elm Street girl really ever, but Me either. man, rewatching this, this is the best one. It's the best one. It, I just genuinely love it on its own. I'm not an Elm Street fan either. I like the first one. Second, the first one's really good. It's scary. Yeah, the second one is interesting. Um, yeah, I love the second one for what it is. Yeah, but this one, man, this is the Elm Street from moi. I just, this is one of my favorite horror movies. I love it. And I, I really you know, good. I knew you had said that you were like, I don't know, I'm not that wild about it. Thank you for playing that um, <laughs> I, I voice message recording of me just now. And I mean. From your, from your Linda Tripp brooch. <laughs> Lean in, Monica. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> you're not that R. wild about dream warriors <laughs> and i got i'm glad to hear you say that because watching it last night first of all i knew how much i loved it but every time i see it my love grows for this film but yes the opening credits happen and i said to myself if anthony isn't crazy about this movie Anthony must be nuts because the opening credits, first of all, you have someone engaging in paper mache handicrafts. <laughs> then we should all be so fortunate. Then you see the words appear on the screen. Jaja Gabor. Oh my God. And I say, well, there you go. A minute in and it's an all time classic. Set to some hair metal. Yeah. Like, I have never... I I mean, give me an Arquette and some arts and crafts and some hair metal. That's what I'm saying. And I am just... Uh, 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 oh. Yeah. Yeah. Fusion achieved. <laughs> I am just here for it. It was so... It's... It's... Ah... <sighs> Why is she making a model of that house? <laughs> she doesn't it's know great. why. It's she's it's like great. it's like Close Encounters. Why is he making a mashed potato UFO fort or whatever the fuck it was? <laughs> it's great. Yeah, she's just drawn to Nancy's house, like she's drawn to Nancy, right? Uh huh. Mm hmm. Let me tell you, the second oh, I know I'm jumping significantly ahead here. But the second Nancy showed up on screen, I gasped and the happy, the happy water did come out. And it was, it was, she is, it's just, isn't it so nice to see her again? It's so nice to see her again. It is a little startling to see Nancy Thompson as a 52 year old, 22 year old. <laughs> yeah. in her, um, <laughs> her like her business college attire. <laughs> And she, you know she got that off the rack at TJ Maxx, which is yes, not a slight on TJ Maxx, okay? No, it's not. We're Maxinistas here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get the Max for the minimum all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but she is dowdy supreme. Yeah. In this movie. Yeah. I love it. She's she's satisfying her boys and girls club volunteer hours. Yeah. She has her she she's got her briefcase woman aesthetic going. She really <laughs> and... does. It's a, it's like you you she walks in and you say to yourself, "Oh my gosh, how long has this been since the original nightmare?" And then at some point she's like, "That was you know five years ago," and it's like, "Okay, she was supposed to be like fifteen or sixteen in the first movie." <laughs> so she, yeah, <laughs> she's just a grad student who like just graduated from college last year. Yeah, and then meanwhile, we all know it's only been three years, and she still looks like a teenager. <laughs> yeah, she still looks and talks like a teenager, you know. But she's got that cool gray streak in her hair, which kind of also makes her an unofficial X-Men. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, she got the business briefcase lady look. 
she she you know she all she just finished her courses through the Sally Struthers International Correspondence School. <laughs> yeah. And man, I was just lit up yeah. when I saw her. Yeah. She's on her way to becoming Dr. Nancy Thompson. Yes. And she's and taking you know she takes her trauma, her personal trauma, and not only does she fashion a career out of it, she uses it to help others. Yeah, yeah, she learned from those inspirational speakers of the 1960s, 70s, 80s, and today. Yeah, the, like, former drug addicts who go to the school and say, don't do yeah, drugs. Yeah, the, the Flory Fishers who later inspired Jerry Blank and Strangers with Candy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love Nancy I love Thompson. I love her. And this is a great movie because it's able to, one, I mean... I enjoyed talking about Hellraiser and Children of the Corn yesterday and the fact that there's a first movie that has an idea and then you watch every sequel try to figure out how to apply that idea further to something that doesn't lend itself any further, right? Mm -hmm. And you can argue with Elm Street 2, which is why I like Elm Street 2, is that it's they didn't know the Freddy formula yet, and they didn't just repeat what happened in the first movie. Right. Which made it very strange, and obviously then gave it a very queer entry point, mm-hmm. um, literally. But, like, this with this film, they kind of go back to the basic formula of what Freddy did in the first film, but they find a way to really justify it by bringing in Nancy and these kids in this in this setup, which it's it's not just a great setup... But you also get a cast that is deserving of spending time around a cherished final girl. Yes. Yeah. And you get characters you like. Yeah, and... this film is really simple on the surface of it. You know, it's another slasher movie, whatever, supernatural slasher movie. But it's really unique in the ways that it expands the Freddy mythos mm-hmm. without doing anything that is silly or like really like i know i know halloween six has its fans okay well people love paul rudd people love that paul rudd (laughs) um but i mean come on right it's like that or like friday the third like jason goes to hell part nine yeah where you're like this is totally unnecessary like what are you doing here you know, mm-hmm. this gives Freddie a backstory that just kind of makes the character more interesting, you know? Yeah. And it gives us a fucking cool ass ghost nun, too. <laughs> <laughs> Process. Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of takes the formula and expands on it in interesting ways. Gives us one of, in my opinion, one of the best ensemble casts. Yes. In slashers, for sure. If not in horror. These kids are like... You really come to care about this little island of misfit toys. Yeah, yeah. And then that's what, uh, well, I mean, that's really both the, what makes the movie so compelling, but also its downfall for me is that I just don't like seeing everyone die. I know. This movie is also really, really sad. Um, it's really sad. They f- they know how to fuck with you. Yes. Yeah. For once, we're we're given a cast that we come to care about. And you care about them when they die, and you don't want them to die. And they all care about each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they aren't they aren't shitty teenagers um, fighting with each other and just having sex the whole time. Yeah, and, you know, they band together to sort of fight the evil. But even before that, they care about each other, whether it's in their little group discussions. Or I think about the scene where Taryn is playing basically Dungeons & Dragons with the nerdy kid. Yeah. She's like, you know, the drug addict who opted for the hospital over juvie. And it's like she could have been written off to just be like tough and cool and too good for everybody. But she's just like hanging out with these other guys. They're friends. Yeah. Yeah. She's one of them. She's one of them. You know? In a different movie, she would be like the bitch in the other side of the wing. Mm-hmm. That just judges everybody and then dies first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love them all. I love them. And the fact that they're all united. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's like, you get the sense, I mean, they're, you don't get the sense it's explicit, but they're united against um, both Freddy, who is haunting their dreams, right? Because this is now, you know, it's still set in this, in, in, wait, Springbrook? Spring? Springwood? Springwood? Spring? 
<laughs> it's set there. And it, but this time it's in the Weston Hills Psychiatric Hospital. So you get this group of kids that are all afflicted with, you know, the usual insomnia, narcolepsy, or bedwetting, like Dr. <laughs> Neil Gordon says. <laughs> um, but, like, so they're all already on the out, united on being outsiders and on the outskirts of society and kind of cast out by their families and also in, just in need of help, and they're, they're there for each other. But they're also united against Freddy Krueger. But they're also united against the doctors that don't believe what they're saying right yeah or what's going on it's the classic like and i think especially younger viewers like i saw this movie when i was like i don't know 13 or something and it's like it re- you really end up feeling a kinship with these kids and like yeah this movie knows what's up because yeah the kids are dealing with adults who just don't get it they don't, yeah. they don't listen to you. They're going to punish you. And, and you know, when you're just like, will you just listen to me? Like what mm-hmm. teenager hasn't felt injustice at the hands of an adult? Mm-hmm. You know? And so I feel like it's it would be, especially like if you're a younger person watching this for the first time, you place yourself right in that group with them. Mm-hmm. And then, and, and how brilliant too that to up the stakes... They have to be kids in this psychiatric facility because if they weren't, they would just be asshole kids <laughs> where there's no like the, the, the sense of people disbelieving them wouldn't be that much more infuriating. People disbelieve them because they're in the psychiatric facility in this. Right. Versus, oh, you're just shit kids going to school claiming that your friends are getting killed. But really, you're just wacko teenagers. You know, right. It's they have there's. They do have afflictions, but there is a there is they know that this isn't part of that, right? And no one will listen. And you just you, oh my underdog sense just flares up, and I just want to protect them like Nancy and be part of them like Nancy. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, that was a thing. That's what it also holds over from the first film so well. Like we all remember when Glenn's parents are like, "Nancy's crazy. You're not allowed to hang out with her anymore." Mm-hmm. No, Glenn's in bed, and the parents hang up on her. You know, like mm-hmm. the adults just not being clued in because parents just don't understand. They just don't. They just don't. <sighs> but Nancy understands. Nancy understands with her heavy fabrics. Her voluminous <laughs> curls. The blazer with the pink undershirt. The blazer with the pink undershirt. When The little pearl necklace. Oh. When kids start dying and she goes to a funeral and she turns around and she looks like she just stepped out oh. of an episode of Dynasty. Oh my god. With that like uh, scarf that like fastens up at her shoulder. Mm-hmm. And that with, hat. Like, a- Cocked at a jaunty angle. Oh my god. Who was her stylist? Like she was hiring someone, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 That or she she knew all the good stores just like Billy. (laughs) (laughs) She's a vision and she understands them. And uh, she's gonna she's taking a medication, hypnosil, that will prevent her from dreaming. An experimental psychoactive drug. Yeah, because she's still going through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, she's got that trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So only she is going to understand, and she helps the kids. Kristen Parker, Patricia Arquette, has a special ability where she can pull people into her dreams. Mm-hmm. And so Nancy, the ever-thoughtful, the ever-planner... Uh, decides that, you know, hey, Kristen, why don't you use that ability? We can go in and fight him on his own turn, just like Nancy tried to do in the first film. Yeah. She's so smart. She's basically Professor X in this film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and she even encouraged, she's like, that's a wonderful gift you have. All right, everybody, go to sleep and find your power. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. She literally is Professor X. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because these are the last of the Elm Street kids. Um, mm-hmm. You say the, Which, the last of them. How are there so many more movies after this? Well, <laughs> just you wait. But supposedly these are the last of the Elm Street kids whose parents all banded together and doled out some vigilante justice to Freddy Krueger back in mm-hmm. the day. He's getting his revenge. 
which is one thing I like about this movie is that right at the beginning when Kristen's having her dream and she sees that little girl on the tricycle who goes into Nancy's house. And, oh, I love Tricycle Queen. Yeah, and goes into the basement and she's next to the boiler and she says, this is where he takes us. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a creepy moment, but it's something, it, it's like it reminds you that the story at the heart of the Nightmare series is really a fucking dark one. And it's like only one in three really get that at all. Yeah, yeah. It's a really dark story. He was taking children. He's a fucking pedophile child killer. Yeah. You know? So, unfortunately, I think this movie also has marks the turning point for Freddy Krueger. Where Oh, like the one-liners? The one-liners, yeah. The TV set death. Um, <laughs> which is fun, and I love it, but it's like, first of all, the first thing you do is... You're you are Dick Cavett, Freddy Krueger. Dick Cavett <laughs> turns into Freddy Krueger and kills Zsa Zsa Gabor, <laughs> which every slasher film really is missing. <laughs> a uh, yeah, Gabor I was sequence. I was I was like, you know, there's three kids out there who were thrilled at that, and I was one of them. <laughs> yeah, all the the. <laughs> Three little fags watching this movie. Yeah. Oh boy, Judge is on Yeah. Exactly. Oh All the kids who just got done watching Merv Griffin. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, but he kills Josh Gabor, and then he turns into a TV, and then he kills her and says, "Like, welcome to prime time, bitch." Like he has a one-liner. <laughs> And it's like, that's the turning point. From there on, he would become, like, the kind of jokey, one-line-y thing where he turns into stupid shit and turns people into pizzas and, you know. like Yeah. It really, from that point on, it really lets go of the dark side of all of this, I think. Yes. It works in this one. Yeah, yeah. But it definitely, it, it it's, it yeah, it's the, the beginning of the slippery slope. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh... Every, he calls, like, every woman in this a bitch. He does, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's safe to um, add misogynist to his strikes against him. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Child serial killer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And fashion victim. Yeah. <laughs> but the deaths are really cool in this one. Um, they're, they're gnarly sometimes. The Phillips death with the puppet strings. Oh, it's horrifying. It's a great first death, and it's really sad because you like him. Mm-hmm. You like them all. You like, but it's like, yeah, g- get in that that. Ugh. Have you ever seen Body Worlds? Have you ever been to Body Worlds? Oh yeah, yeah, yep. With like very ethically questionable, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, it reminded me of that. Just like oh, those ripping out all his what tendons or whatever. Yeah, and just using make p- manipulating him as a marionette. Mm-hmm. It's so gross. Yeah. And then what do you, the gaslighting continues there. What do you know? He has sleepwalking issues. Right. So nobody knows that he's actually being marionetted by his own insides. Yeah. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. And the doctors are just like, no, he committed suicide, but the kids mm-hmm. know better. <laughs> the perfect Dr. Elizabeth Sims. <laughs> Priscilla Pointer, that monster. Uh, Priscilla Pointer, I told you. Mm-hmm. Also, Pamela Ewing's long-lost mother on Dallas. Mm-hmm. Also, Miss Snell. Also, Miss Snell. So, obviously, an icon in cinema. Obviously. Obviously, thank. She's you. a monster in this, but I'm compelled by her. <laughs> oh, for sure. She yeah. has. She makes some points. Yeah. No. I mean, she's a good doctor. She's good at doing her job. Yeah. By all means, she should not be listening to. Uh, a, teen youth advocate yeah. <laughs> how, how to do her job yeah he's like give him this drug that hasn't been approved by the fda or nothing <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so i don't know we get ghost nun who lets God. us know that uh freddie is the bastard son of a hundred maniacs that line is so good it's so good that's such a fucked up sequence that she builds in my mind. Yeah. 
it it is interesting that it's like how do you expand on Freddy without telling too much, right? But also sum up how vile this person is mm-hmm. without curse of thorning it. Exactly. Like it would be more curse of thorn if like the nuns were manipulating him for vengeance or something. Yeah. Yeah. But in the, it just it just works and then you feel you can't help but feel a new sympathy um for this new character of Amanda Kruger. Mhm. Yeah, you you as a viewer, you have a like a one of the sliding doors moments that we always talk about where mm-hmm. you say, well, if maybe if Freddy was the bastard son of 10,000 maniacs, <laughs> you know, instead of growing up and murdering children, he would have grown up and, you know, just been a politically conscious folk adjacent singer. We just have some more killer tunes. Exactly. <laughs> he, he could have a glove that may, is made out of like little guitar picks instead. Right. <laughs> Yeah. That's his like. That's like his cool thing that he does at, at his chain restaurant later on in his twilight <laughs> years of his career. Yeah, his glove could be at uh, you know Planet Hollywood, or Hard Rock Cafe, or whatever. <laughs> he still does the one-liners for sure. Um, yeah, but he is not covered in burns or the souls of dead children. No, <laughs> and he's covered in paisley. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Tommy Bahama. <laughs> yeah. Tommy Bahama, Fred Krueger. Yeah, and he's just uh, killing kids with his earnest lyrics. <laughs> but oh well. But that did not happen. Yeah, that's the universe where Hillary Clinton is president. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instead, we have a universe where Freddie is covered in burns, murders children. And his nun ghost mom walks around shitting on people's views about science. Yeah. And (laughs) that's the world that we deserve. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, You know, we find out that you can defeat him by burying his skeleton in hollowed ground. Mm -hmm. I guess I didn't realize how easy it was to render regular ground into hollow ground you just gotta sprinkle some holy water on it that's all it took i thought i said to myself how are they gonna they're gonna have to get them bones and they're gonna have to transport them bones to like a graveyard yeah no no just bury it right there at the junkyard just splash some of that water you stole out of your jim beam bottle yeah man i i love the ray harryhausen-esque stop motion (laughs) freddy krueger skeleton (laughs) <laughs> when it defeats what's his name neil and yeah. then raises its arms and goes yeah <laughs> and then immediately crumbles and then collapses bones. oh god what a moment <laughs> it's pretty metal oh i love it i have to say that sequence is the one part that sticks out <laughs> for me from the rest of this movie oh well like uh, well, because the rest is in dream reality, right? Mm-hmm. So you accept the bizarritude of the things that are happening, mm. whether it's whether it's marionette puppet master blood moment or or Zsa Zsa Gabor being killed by Dick Cavett. <laughs> you accept these things because you're in another dream reality. However, so but so, aren't the kids are sleeping at that point though? Yeah. So maybe his affiliation with the kids or whatever is still allowed. Linked up. Yeah. Because what it reads like to me was that the kids are asleep, right? Because Nancy joins them together for another Cerebro danger room meeting. Right. And then, and then Freddie can sense, like Freddie is like sensing somehow that they're, that they're jostling the bones. Right. And so Freddie's like, Hold that thought. I'll be right back. He disappears, possesses his skeleton. Right. And then just starts killing people or trying to fight them off and Mm. possesses all the cars and stuff. Right. But then I was like, but they're not asleep, right? Mm. So I was just confused by that. Because then I'm thinking, well, couldn't Freddy just do that kind of stuff all the time? 
Well, Couldn't he didn't just like possess Fre- everything? Didn't he do that in part two? When he started killing people at the pool party. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I guess part two I accept as a different kind of canon in a different kind yeah, of Yeah, oh, for sure. I just think the dream world science is perhaps a bit nebulous. Yeah, it's tension. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I guess it's, I just always figured, maybe I was just too dazzled by the stop motion. The stop motion is incredible. But I just uh, didn't I, even, I say that. I didn't even think about it. I just assumed like, oh, the kids are asleep, so he's got some power. Or something, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like it had something to do with the kids being asleep. I just, I kept wondering, well, if he could then, I got, my natural inclination, Stacy, is if I had, a, if I had the power of possessing a skeleton or being a dream killer, well, I don't know. They're kind of equally matched. Mm. I guess maybe what I'm saying is I want, I, if I was Freddy, God forbid, I would just want to possess my skeleton and just kill people all the time as that because that was a happy cute little skeleton <laughs> right yeah 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 with his little gloves yeah so well questions i have it's they're good questions to have you can kill john saxon in that in that in that uh, skeleton world this movie makes some bold moves kill it bringing back john saxon and killing him and then, of course, we get to that ending, the tragedy of this movie, which was honestly too much for my teenage hormones to handle. <sighs> and I just contrast this movie that Freddie kills Nancy Thompson, contrast her death with the disrespect afforded Laurie Strode in Halloween Resurrection. Mm, mm-hmm. And so you say to yourself watching this, like, I don't want Nancy to die. It's so heartbreaking, but it's very respectful. The characters take time. Kristen is beside herself. It's it's really beautiful. It's like one of the most emotional scenes in any fucking slasher movie, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And Nancy's character is afforded the respect that she deserves. Like, we just watched a heroine get murdered. Versus Laurie Strode, who (laughs) her Rube Goldberg machine on the roof of the insane (laughs) asylum fails and she ends up a stain on the pavement down below. After surviving and relentlessly using her 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 mad pulling herself down lifting herself down from ceiling beams to axe michael myers yeah and her barrel rolls and all of that after and crashing a van and pinning him against a tree and chopping his head off she survives all of that only to be uh committed because she alleged apparently killed the wrong person yeah goes into the the asylum Uses her headmistress skills to build her Rube Goldberg <laughs> device. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then just so she can kiss Michael Myers and then fall to her death? Yeah, she's killed off in such a stupid way in the fir- in the opening moments of the film that they had another story they wanted to tell and had to get rid of Laurie Strode somehow. And it's just so, it's infuriating. They had a more important story. They had a more. They had to tell the story of Dangertainment. <laughs> of MichaelMyers.com and the fresh fennel. Yeah. That will haunt Stacey Ponder for the rest of her years. Yeah. They had to tell that story, so they just unceremoniously get rid of Laurie Strode. Yeah. Whereas this movie is really amazing. We don't get to see Final Girls come back. We've talked about that before. They're carted away at the end, and we're assume we're to assume that they've lost their minds, or everything is totally fine. Yeah, they go they go nuts. I mean, look at the look at the Fridays. Like Alice goes nuts. Uh, Jenny goes nuts. Chris Higgins goes nuts. Yeah, <laughs> it always ends with them going nuts. Yeah, or getting killed. Nancy. I mean, Alice tries to deal with her PS- PTSD, but then she's killed in the first five minutes of part two. Well, if you accept that as canon. If you accept that as canon, which I do not. We we know that Alice and Ginny are running a judo studio nowadays. Uh, uh, well, it's a paint. <laughs> it's a painting. Judo, judo art studio. studio. Yeah, it's yeah. like where they yeah. where they you you paint the pottery and then they fire it for you while you do your your. Yeah. 
<laughs> while you're your practicing your chops. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Practice your chops. But Practice Nightmare, like, gives Nancy a continuation, right? Like and her, a briefcase. And a briefcase, and shoulder pads, and voluminous amounts of tweed. <laughs> and voluminous curls. Exactly. You know, she's, uh, she, her role in this is informed by her role in the previous film. Mm-hmm. And we are incredibly upset by her death. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. Well, especially after these kids have been so, they've been fighting to be taken, to be believed. And right. she just shows up and immediately believes them. And that moment when she just gets to tell everyone what is going on in there. Like, she's like, I'll, I'll tell you what's happening. And they don't believe, they're like, oh, what, you're just gonna tell us we're crazy just like everyone else? Right. And then she starts to describe Freddy. I love that sequence so much. She mm-hmm. starts to describe Freddy, and you see everyone looking at each other like the fuck she know like, and they they can't believe that she believes, and that mm-hmm. she's saying the same thing they've only dreamt of, and this is just something they've shared in secret because nobody else will listen to them. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. so validating, and she she becomes she really is. I mean, in that moment, she's, she's Nancy Thompson, teen youth advocate. Yeah, and ugh. And then to to get that, they they make it all the way to what they think is the ending. They vanquished Freddy. Yep. After the tragic, tragic, tragic deaths of many of the others, including obviously, Taryn. Perfect Taryn. Who she could be beautiful and bad in her dreams. You know, she's beautiful and bad, and you know she's speaking the truth because she's got glitter on her chest. <laughs> and that amazing severe mohawk yeah and her her switchblades that switch, i love she always has butterfly a knife switchblades yeah. yeah she's always like Ha-cha-cha-cha. <laughs> she has a little <laughs> yeah. move every time yeah yeah she's so fucking cool i love her so much and then at, they make it all the way through that and then and then what do you know they vanquished freddie and now Nancy gets her reward. Her dead dad, who she didn't know he's dead. <laughs> um, he, he, uh, well, kind of. John Saxon as Daria Nickelodeon, mother of tears, as the ghost of Nancy's dad, <laughs> kind of fl- floats into screen with twinkle lights around him. Yeah. Says, you know, I love you, Nancy. She hugs him. She gets the resolution she hasn't had with her father ever since they went on the, the, the fritz after mom died in Elm Street 1. And then it's Freddie and he, he stabs her. Yep. And it's so I, Kristen mm. cradles her as she dies. That's what. So I, I will be. I still think it's bullshit that they kill Nancy. However, I do agree with you that it is very respectful in how they what they gave her and how they yeah. how the characters treated it. Yeah. And that Kristen especially is so beside herself, and that she's like. No, we're having a beautiful dream, and you're alive. Mm-hmm. And then she kisses her, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "God damn!" But they got me all choked up, and I don't even agree with their choices. I know. Well, you don't want any final girl to die, but if you're ever, going, if you're gonna do it, like this is as good as it gets, really. And especially, I mean, the gall, and also, I mean, one to bring her back, great, but the gall to then kill the final girl. Mm-hmm. at that point because at this point we have chris higgins fighting back like on this level right and then you get nancy thompson and she's she's like laying the traps and she's making a plan right and then oh, and then she's using she's empowering the youth with her, her plans <laughs> in her mm-hmm. example and then they take her out yeah it's bold it's a bold choice it feels honestly and what makes while I'm like, well, it's bullshit, but it is respectful. I can also see like it feels like um, not to bring it not to bring it down to like TV or lesser media level, but it feels like like great '80s event television in that moment too. <laughs> like as I can picture myself as someone in the movie theater in that time, and it's like that's right there with like Darth Vader. I'm your father. Like, mm. where were you in the theater? What which mall movieplex were you at when right. Nancy Thompson died? Yeah, for sure. Well, it's totally unexpected. Yeah, if you know, like, given it's one thing when Alice gets killed in the first five minutes, but it's another thing when Nancy goes on this journey, 
and they seem triumphant. And then to have the nerve to kill her off in the movie's final moments. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's that's risky. After you think everything has been yeah. surpassed. Yeah. It's very sad. They could have been a lesbian power couple for the ages, those two. God. They could have... Nancy would have shown up with her her shoulder pads and her trapper keeper, <laughs> and then Kristen would have she would have like flipped and done her gymnastics over that, <laughs> like. Yeah, I think yeah. I would hope it's it's uh, recognizable to anyone, even the most hetero of the heteros. What a raging crush Kristen has on Nancy. She, I mean, she hasn't pulled anyone in her dreams since childhood. Mm-hmm. And what do you know? Nancy shows up and first thing she does, she says, hey, come to Dreamtown with Mama. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That cradling her and the kiss. Mm-hmm. And just like all she cares about is like, where's Nancy? Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. It's Poor so Kristen. sweet. It's so sweet. And even beyond that, even, even I think we can look at it as a crush and also... And maybe just even in, in addition to that or in part as part of that or just even altogether separate if it needed to be, like, she sees another young woman that she can look up to. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, that's it's a, just that's really a, nice. That's, that's not that's, something you see in these movies. <laughs> yeah. That's part of it being a crush, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But... She sees a successful version of her. Right. Yeah. I mean, not successful, that implies, like, production, but, like... Well, she dresses, like... I mean, she knows what's up. She dresses for success. She dresses for the job she has and the job she wants. But she sees a self-actualized version of herself. Right. Yeah, exactly. Someone who was in the exact same place, who nobody believed, who has lived through this terror. Mm Mm-hmm. And, oh... Oh, oh, she's like, it's a beautiful dream. It's so sad. It's so sad. It's real sad. I love that this movie had like, uh, you know, breaks away from the tropes by having three survivors. Yeah. One of whom is a black dude. Yeah. Kincaid is great. I I love Kincaid so much. He's so cool. And that (laughs) kind of character who's like ornery. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's the troublemaker, et cetera, et cetera. The fact that he's allowed to be a survivor is remarkable. Yeah, I think, is this the earliest example of the of the uh, introduced uh, black character in a franchise sequel actually living? Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, this is something no, that... no, no, Friday the 13th Part 5, Reggie. It was a couple years before. Oh, right, that was 85. But he was a kid, so you know he's probably going to survive anyway. Yeah, yeah, he's a kid. But you never, the troublemakers rarely survive. Yeah. You know, the the ones who do survive are usually so, are are the nice, good kids. Well, and then, I mean, going back to Craven's output later on, um, I mean, he was only attached to this and that he wrote it, or was one of the writers on the screenplay, and I think produced it maybe. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, this is something that even in the Scream sequels, they still couldn't figure out, was how to introduce a black character and keep them alive. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's awesome. Kincaid mm-hmm. is great. I love him bursting through that wall. I love him screaming at Freddy and just, like, egging him on every chance he gets. Mm-hmm. I love these kids. I love these kids. Joey the Mute, man. Joey the Mute. No why, does he, why does why he have does that he teardrop? Have, <laughs> why does he have that teardrop just in the first scene? Yeah. Like, what? who did he kill? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so confused. Yeah, yeah. Um, Will Stanton, the wizard master. Mm-hmm. Who's like a nerd, but he's not an outcast from, you know what I mean? Like, he's your stereotypical, like, he's got the glasses, and he loves Dungeons and Dragons, and mm-hmm. his dream power is real corny, you know? But he's not, they love him. He's just one of them. Yeah. And his nerdiness doesn't set him apart. It's not, he's not Shelly from Friday Part 3. <laughs> Granted, he's also, asshole. yeah, he's also just not that obnoxious, but. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he's a cutie. Everyone loves him. Yeah. And he's, the, and also, I don't know, I, I keep thinking of 
being young watching this in the theater and what that must have been like and like i could all the D kids it was i could imagine <laughs> well and then everyone i feel like you would find your character like it's almost like a little breakfast clubby mm-hmm. like you would find your stand-in well, and it's... I could just imagine all the fucking D&D kids losing their minds when they see Wizard Master get his powers and get his green lightning <laughs> yeah. that he shoots Freddy at, you know? Yeah. Well, you look at the, the cat, like, slashers are aimed at teenagers. The casts are usually comprised teenagers. Yeah. But Or 50-year-olds if you're in Friday 13th Part 3. <laughs> yeah. But the, the teenagers that, cons- you know, make up the slasher casts are like... They're there to party. They're generally older. And, like, they're there to party, get fucked up, have sex, etc., etc. And they're popular kids. And they're popular kids. And these are, like, the misfits. There's no romance. Like, you could say that, like, Nancy and Neil kind of skirt that line. But they never go there. They never kiss or anything. Yeah, no. No one gets naked. Well, except for that fake nurse there, the nurse vision. There is her, where she shoots tongues out at Joey. <laughs> but do you know what? It's not the usual. She was cool. Like, she was cool. But it's not the usual cast of teenagers. And so I think this movie does afford younger teens and nerdier teens, like, a chance to see themselves in the movie. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, you wouldn't see a Will Stanton. You wouldn't see a Jennifer, I feel like, particularly. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't see a Terran that is um, a good person or depicted right. as a person that cares about mm-hmm. other people. Terran would, would, be, would be picking on Kristen because Kristen's the new girl. Yeah. And, you know, whereas they just, like, Kristen's just one of them immediately. Yeah. And I just love this group. Mm-hmm. And it's so... That's how you create stakes. It's so sad. Exactly. Exactly. It's so sad. It's like, I, what is it? What else makes me this sad? All cheerleaders die. The I get descent. really sad watching them die. The descent. Yeah. 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 Two right on the same level there. All cheerleaders <laughs> die in the descent. But yeah, for real, like they're characters I love and it is so painful to have to see them die, but it's also what makes the movie so compelling. Right. Um, yeah. This is an outlier in slashers for sure. Yeah. 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 Because they actually make the characters people we care about. Yeah. It yeah, shouldn't it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be that unique, you know? I know. Well, and I mean part of it too is they cast good actors. They got real actors. Right, yeah. The kids are all good actors and then you, I mean obviously once again Priscilla Pointer. Um <laughs> yeah. uh, Oh my god, baby uh, uh, excuse me, Larry Fishburne. Larry Fishburne. Little babe. Yeah. God, it's this great, great talent in this movie. Mm-hmm. I just love them. I love mm-hmm. them. I love this movie. I love, I love the the metal. <laughs> I love the Dream Warriors song. Yeah. Courtesy of Dokken. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Also, it just I don't know when it gets. It's really, it's able to manipulate your heartstrings, and it does that by going to just those really, um, those places where you insert yourself, you just, you feel uh, solidarity with these characters, and I think that's by putting them in situations that are grotesque and really horrifying, but also by putting them in situations that are really sweet. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just keep going, the, the sequence with uh, Kristen... Which I want to keep calling her Kirsten, because when she introduces herself in the beginning of the movie, she, she kind of says Kirsten. Kirsten. Yeah. And I'm like, so what was it? Is it Kristen yeah. or Kirsten? <laughs> um, my autocorrect needs to know. <laughs> but like with that, uh, that moment when she goes back into her, into this dream later in the movie and she's at the beginning of the film and mm-hmm. she gets to relive that moment with her mom before she has yeah. the nightmare and slashes her wrists be- via Freddy. Mm-hmm. But like her mom is just like, they're not, they're on the ends with each other in the opening of the film. And in this sequence, she's just like, Oh, I'm just so happy you're back home, mom. And it takes extra time to hug her, even though it's her dream version of her mother. Right. She's very, she's touched by this moment. And it's that it's another sliding doors moment, but you get to see, what the world would be like if we're kind to each other. 
Yeah. And it's really sweet. Until, mm-hmm. of course, Freddie decapitates her mom in that <laughs> yeah. moment. And then yeah. you get screaming mom heads saying, God damn it, Kristen, you ruin everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's pretty great. Yeah. 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 The deaths are really inventive. It's like this one and the first one. I just love the dream reality. And yeah. like how creative it, it gets so stupid in the later like the nintendo or the nintendo or when he turns into a motorcycle yeah you know yeah. like okay oh you turned someone into a meatball on a pizza mm-hmm. okay but here it's just like it's frightening and it's weird and surreal and i just i love it i love Doesn't it he kill roseanne and tom arnold in like the fifth mm-hmm. one yeah or sixth one yeah they started having more of those like celebrity I, why they went with Dick Cavett and Zsa Zsa Gabor, who knows? <laughs> uh, you know, it once again, it created a slippery slope, but thank God for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. incredible. Yeah, yeah. On behalf of every future uh, uh, small business fags of America, it's just yeah. so, for it's all such... For all the, like, 15-year-old Palm Springs fags. Yeah, yeah, the the inevitable uh, Paul Lins of the of the tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so nice. It's so nice. It's so nice. Their powers are so fucking cool when they get to use them. Mm-hmm. I love that Kincaid is a strong man. I love. I love. I once again cannot get over my Switchblade sister. Oh God. <laughs> I love her so much. She's so cool. <laughs> Jennifer Rubin is a queen. Yeah, she is. Fucking horror icon. Um, mm-hmm. Kristen's Matrix wall run gymnastics. <laughs> like, <laughs> her gymnastics are so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. I'm glad you feel that way now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember it being really good. I just never, like... You just never connected with it. Like, yeah, like I said, I never had bonded with it. And yeah. and I think it was just because I never really bonded with Elm Street. Yeah. But just maybe maybe also coming off the heels of Hellraiser 3. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. It was just such a great watch. It was yeah. such a great watch. And it, 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 there's something about watching this that you can't help but feel like, I don't know. It's just so easy to imagine yourself once again in the mall movieplex. Mm-hmm. And outside that theater people got their Reeboks on and (laughs) it's it you know yeah it's nice it is i love it (sighs) dream warriors it's all downhill from here it's all downhill from here ain't it tomorrow oh my gosh i can't believe i have to say these words even though honestly i think it's my fault if hellraiser 3 was an anthony hudson choice as we noted, I believe this was a me choice. <laughs> Thank you for the accountability. Yeah, I need to be held accountable. <laughs> we we are actually, after um, tomorrow's episode, we will be hosting an accountability process circle. <laughs> we'll deserve it. Look, yeah. okay, I told everybody yesterday in our episode that sometimes I'm real easy when it comes to these movies. You call a movie Children of the Corn 3 Urban Harvest, the words Urban Harvest, get my blood pumping, I'm ready to watch it. I mean, you heard, everyone, how much Stacy hates the new Halloween H4O. She just said how much she hates it. However, you put bangs on Kyle Richards. Exactly. And we're all in. And I'm like, God damn coronavirus. <laughs> You're fucking with the Halloween bangs release schedule. <laughs> you know what I saw? I saw uh, an isolated quote. Apparently there was an article from some, I don't know if it was Danny McBride, David Gordon Green. I don't care which one it was, but one of them was interviewed about Halloween bangs. Someone took a screen cap of part of it and posted it. And it said, it was a quote from whichever one of them. And it said, if you love the last one, you're going to love this one. And I had to force myself to conjure Kyle Richards in my mind (laughs) to remind myself that it's my most anticipated movie. (laughs) Despite 
all signs mm-hmm. <laughs> to what it will really be. Yeah. Because I know they're going to kill her. They're gonna. Like, okay. they're just gonna. And it they're... won't be remotely a Nancy Thompson death, let me tell you. No, no. But there will be no Patricia Arquette holding her on and Pieta-ing and no. kissing her. No. no that's no. not gonna happen. No. We'll be lucky if it's Halloween Resurrection. He's probably gonna kill her with a TV. Because she's I a bet. real housewife. Yeah. She's gonna or get like a, a wine death. glass. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all of this to say... That I, when we were deciding our schedule for this week for the threening, I saw a photo from a movie and I got blinded by futuristic facial hair and futuristic hair. Okay, this cannot be stressed enough, listeners. Every time we go over our list in advance... (laughs) The words future hair come out of Stacy every time this movie comes up. Because that's, again, that's reminding myself. Because, okay, look, tomorrow we're going to be talking about Blade Trinity. (laughs) It doesn't have three in the title, but it it is part three. three, as Trinity implies. Exactly. So now you see how we play fast and loose with the threening, right? Maybe it's all bets just, are off. Maybe it's just Gaylords the Third. The point is, I don't want to watch Blade Trinity. I don't want to have to take my time this evening. It's so bad. I've never seen it. You haven't? No. Oh, I thought you had. No, I told oh, you. Oh, Stacy. I've never seen it. I don't know what's waiting for me. I assume it's atrocious. But I saw Ryan Reynolds' futuristic facial hair, and I said, well, I'm in. Well, there is a great iPod ad in the middle of the movie. Natasha Lyonne is blind, and Parker Posey is fantastic. The cast is unbelievable. I can't, I mean, I need to keep that in mind. It's like, it's Jessica Beale before she became Jessica Beasles. Yeah, yeah, Nay Beale. Nay Beale. Uh, <laughs> Natasha Leone and Parker Posey. Yeah, man. Futuristic hair. The the intricate designs on the head <laughs> of Wesley Stipes. Snipes. Michael Stipe. <laughs> Michael Stipe is Blade. Oh no, we broke her. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Wesley Snipes. Yeah, that's it. Michael Snipe is (laughs) Blake. (laughs) That's me in the corner. Oh my god, I hate it. Yeah, I don't want to watch it. I will be watching solely for Natasha Lyonne and Parker Posey. Well, and also because we said we're going to and we have to do the show tomorrow. But I tell you what, listeners, I'm not looking forward to it. Mm-mm. Not one bit. Not one bit. Not one bit, but it's going to happen because we are continuing the three inning. We are striving ever onward. We are watching that thermometer grow. And Stacy, can I get an air horn? <laughs> <laughs> that just sounded more like a, a horny Wookiee or yeah. something. Well. <laughs> Thank you. I loved it, though. Um <laughs> Chewy says. <laughs> that was really good. Uh, we are up now. We have 50 donations and just live, live scoop. Our thermometer is at $2,410. Oh my God, listener. We're continuing to raise money as we speak. We are over three fourths of the way to our new, new goal of $3,000. That's amazing. My God, it's just the momentum just won't let up. That makes Blade Trinity worth it. Kind of. Kind of. Let's not, <laughs> let's not be, go too let's far here. Let's not go crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's, let's reserve some caution. Yeah. Um, wow. This, well, thank you all so much once again. Uh, yeah. Please continue to donate and share. Our donation link is mightycause.com slash story slash 7VG. 
1JG. And you can find that also, we have it linked on our Instagram at Gaylords of Darkness, on our Twitter at Gaylords of D, and on our Gaylords of Darkness Facebook page as well. How nice. There you go. We'll be back tomorrow with Blade Trinity. Uh... And a new look, a new lease on life. A new I'm lease assuming. on life. Um, it could just be a husk of a person. <laughs> Who knows what this movie's going to do? I'm just, as I press play, I am just going to dream myself into a beautiful dream. And uh, partake in some futuristic facial hair. <laughs> Fucking future hair. <laughs> <laughs> so we will see you then, people. It's on. Let's let's see where that goal is at tomorrow. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. Me either. Goodbye. Wow. For a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm going to guess yes. Ah! Oh, oh, my my oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Ha, ha, ha.